This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Jürgen, let's start with a football question. Um, a huge game at the weekend. Liverpool against Chelsea. It's two of uh, the most exciting teams in the Premier League at the moment. Um, Liverpool, Chelsea, Van Dijk, Lukaku, yourself against Tuchel. In terms of the match, how much could this be an early sign of intent for the title? Uh, and what are you expecting in terms of the type of game? Oof, I expect a very difficult game for both teams. Um, there's don't, I don't think there's an easy way through um, any um, any line. And um, so both teams are very good organised. Uh, will be, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so it will be a big fight, definitely. Um, and... Yeah, I, I can imagine. I, I again, it's one of these games I, I would watch 100% if I would not be involved. So you have to. It's a pretty much a, a must-watch game if you want. Um, Chelsea obviously in a really good moment. Won the Champions League with the last um, um, club um, competition or that club game uh, last season. Um, played an incredible. I don't know. Last half of the season. Um, since Thomas was in, really developed in the right direction. So um, brought now Lukaku in, which doesn't make them worse, obviously. And um, so, yeah, is a, is a tough opponent. But um, we are um, actually not in the worst moment as well. And hopefully we can show that. In terms of the transfer window, there's four days left now. When you look at your rivals, the likes of Manchester City, who have spent, you know, 100 million on Jack Grealish, you look at Chelsea, who you've touched upon there, and, and Lukaku, who they spent £97.5 million on. Liverpool haven't done that much business in that kind of market. Are you expecting a busy four days? And, and how does that business that those clubs have done change the dynamic of the title race? Do I expect a busy four days for us? Not really. Um, to be 100% honest. Um, so, but you never know. That's how it is. But... Um, how much does it change? Yes, the, the options I think um, are, didn't get worse for, for for some teams. That's that's clear. Uh, but in the end, I said it a couple of times before. There there are so many different reasons to win a football game, and so many different ways to win a football game. Uh, and it's not all about bringing in new players and all this kind of stuff. We, again, it's a little bit disappointing that I always have to mention that, but we brought in Ibu Kunate. <laughs> it was not a bargain or whatever. Um, it cost money as well. Um, but yes, all these offensive attacking players um, and other clubs are, are signing. That's obviously something they thought they need. And they had the, um, the resources to do it. That's the situation. But we will not take that uh, or, or use that as any kind of excuse in any kind of game. We will just go for it with all we have. We have other things we can build on. Uh, we are together for a while already. We are, um, in this specific case, now we play at home. That must be an advantage um, and these kind of things. So it's, look, I cannot have really no time to look at other clubs, of course, I, I get I get to see the news and all that stuff. Um, that when they sign a player, I really have no time to think. Then how can they line up? What can they do? When we play them, um, we will be think about that, and I think that's enough. And one final question from me, Jurgen. You've touched upon the attacking options for for other teams in the Premier League. Of course, you can't do anything about it, but there must be 
one part of you that is is watching quite closely the Manchester City situation and their potential move for Cristiano Ronaldo. It's very rare you get the opportunity to sign one of the, the greatest players in the world and, and that deal seems to be getting closer. Is it, it, How much would, would that be exciting as a football man like yourself to see him in the Premier League, in English football and, and how that would change the, the whole kind of repertoire at the top of the Premier League? Because this season, it seems to be so exciting. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, Christian, I, I watched that like a, a football supporter, actually. I have no not more knowledge about it. Maybe probably you have much more knowledge about it, if it will happen or not, than I have. But um, again, it would. I, it's not about me to judge that or whatever. It's just um, if other clubs can do things like this. It's not obviously not a business for the future. You say in three, four years, we will have then the, the, the benefit of that. It's for now and immediately um, if that happens. And that's uh, that's how some clubs are obviously working and that's absolutely fine. Um, but there must, there must be different ways. There must be um, a team uh, a year later and two years for us is at least and three years later as well. And all this kind of stuff, you need success. It's really nice um, if you really felt that if you can win trophies, it's great. But it's not even with the best squad in the world. It's not every year possible. And if that if that's not possible, you still need to to make sure that you develop as a team, as a club, that you use these kind of things. And that's what we did, and that's what we do. Um, and anything else, or all the all the rest is really not in our hands. And we, we watch it like all of you um, and we'll see what happens. Thank you, Mark. We'll go to Damien Johnson from Premier League Productions. Afternoon, Jürgen. Um, we hear that um, Andy Robertson has returned to fitness and how much of a battle does he face to get back in the team if he's in your thoughts for this weekend? There's no battle because we, they do, the, the players don't battle each other. That's about who is in which shape, who is who is uh, who is playing the position in, in which way. So first and foremost, I'm, I'm more than pleased and really happy how Costas performed down the last two games. Actually, in the whole preseason, it was a big step for him. Had a tough, a tough first year at Liverpool. Um, I told him that. It's not nothing was intentional or planned and thought, let's bring in a Greek player and don't play him a whole year. The problem what we had, obviously, is first Costas had to adapt, was then injured, got COVID, all these kind of things. And then our defense line had to get changed pretty much every week. And then bringing in a, a, a left back who didn't play before a lot, it was just it was it would have been just really difficult. So and now he's in the best moment, obviously, since he's here. That's one thing, um, and it's great. And we have a long season ahead. Um, but for this game, there's no really. The, Robo is not now um, in training since yesterday. He was in training early enough to be in the squad last week. So nobody would ever, and for, especially not in that situation, rush Robo back. So there's no need about that um, for that, but it's not that we now open the race and say, okay, Robo, whatever you did in the last few years, um, you know, I don't care. Uh, and now, and now Costas is there. We have two left backs that was always well, really good left backs. That was always the idea um, to have that because a very special position, and Millie had to play it more often than he wanted. Um, and um, that obviously is much better when you have that really good options. But Robo is 
played before he got injured. An incredible season the year before was maybe the best player for Scotland at the Euros. We all should not forget that. It's it, I don't I I don't forget. It doesn't mean he can now from now on can play like he wants, but he never did. He never did. He's a, he's an animal. He's really he, he works incredibly hard. So having these two options is absolutely great, and both will have their games for sure this year. If there are no injuries, which I don't hope, um, but there's nothing bad to say in that. But a battle is the wrong word for it because um, I just don't like when, when when players have to battle for a position. Players have to train as good as they can. They have to make the um, give me the opportunity to make a decision if they are if they should be in the in the in the in the lineup for the weekend or on the bench for the weekend or whatever. And that's the job the boys have to do. The rest they cannot, they have no influence on because that are my, these are my decisions. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I know you won't be drawn on transfer speculation, but do you feel there's still a bit of a gap in, in, in your midfield with the departure of Wijnaldum or do you feel it's covered by the emergence of the likes of Curtis Jones and so on? It's, it must it must it must be a reflex. So of course, Gini Manalo played for us an incredible amount of, of games. Absolutely great player, top 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 player. I watched him now at Paris um, once or twice um, in, in some games, and so it's really like I am with Gini. Even when we when we prepare um, the opponent like Chelsea, and we have lo- a look in our in our games against Chelsea, we obviously see Gini running around there. It's absolutely. We still have to get used to that. Um, he's not only on the pitch. We miss him. We miss him in the dressing room, really, really, really as well. So great. But the, the reflex is we lose a midfielder, and we don't bring anybody in. There must be like now we can count our midfielders. So if there's an area on the pitch where we really have all the different skill sets, all the different like, dynamic, creativity, defensive orientated, offensive orientated, all these kind of things, there, there, there is no gap. It's not that we have to be bringing in another one. And then again, we have we have players here which with great skills. And last weekend doesn't mean that Harvey is now the, 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 the savior of, of our midfield problem because we don't have one. But Harvey, obviously, if Genie is still here, Harvey wouldn't have played probably this game. So now he played and he played well. Great. I knew before that he that there's a good chance that he plays well, but he did. So and we have others as well. Curtis Jones is 20 years old, played, I don't know, 15, 20 games last year. He can make and will make and has to make the next step. Navigator obviously didn't play full season so far um, in, in uh, exactly how he expects that or we could have expected it. But he had always really good games, big games where we won when, when, when he started. Now he started the season twice. So would he have played if Ginny's still here? I don't know, obviously, but maybe not. So and this is all. And then we have Thiago, who didn't start yet again. We have Hendo, who played only one of the games. We have Oxley chamberlain but the dynamic you cannot buy in the moment if you want to buy a midfielder. So these things, and probably I forgot one, Fabinho, of course. So um, that's, that's the situation. And there is no need to just to buy a midfielder because somebody is on the market. I cannot help you, unfortunately, because obviously you're very interested in it. And I can, in this case, very, very sadly not help the supporters who wants us to sign a player just to get somebody in and feel then for the moment. Now we did our business as well. Now we should be ready. Um, whatever, if you go really, if you're really with us and really think about it, you will realize there's no real need. And if that player, the one player who is really the one who could improve all the things we spoke now about, 
he would go for it. I promise. If they would see him. Thank you, Damien. Uh, because we've got quite a few for the open, we'll probably just limit it to one unless there's a desperate need for a follow up. So just before you start, James, in order, we'll go James from Talksport, Carl from BBC Merseyside, Kieran Clanton from AP, and Finchard Mark Ogden from uh, ESPN before we go into the embargo section. So, James, first of all, from Talksport. Jurgen, Arsene Wenger was at the training ground this week, and you once described his football as like an orchestra and yours like heavy metal. How would you describe Thomas Tuchel's style of football? <laughs> I'm not too much in music, so I probably that's why I choose these two. Um, um, for me, at least, very far apart um, music styles, if you want. Um, so I cannot find now something in between. Um, but um, what Thomas did at Chelsea is, uh, is absolutely exceptional, I have to say. I was never doubt about it that he will um, have a massive impact there, that it will go that quick. I think not even he would expect that that would have expected that exactly. Um, but um, he won last last night, uh, um, I think, European Coach of the Year and absolutely deserved. Nobody had a bigger impact last season than he had um, really deserved. Um, and so the the combination, I said it before, of um, financial wealth and football knowledge is always a threat for all of us. That's how it is. And um, so what they are doing is really good. No doubt about that. Thomas is an exceptional manager and, uh, and coach. And so um, all my respect. Okay, thank you, James. We've got to Carl from the BBC. Hi, Jürgen. Hi. Um, I was talking to Harvey Elliott's coach when he was uh, at QPR at the age of 10 and 11 the other day. And he was saying that he was always first in training. He had a great attitude, great work ethic. And he also mentioned how he got fit ahead of this preseason as well. Those early years, how crucial are they in, develop in the development of a player, especially how good he is now as well already? Incredibly important, but I can tell you that you will not find a lot of Premier League players where the youth coaches don't tell similar stories <laughs> about them um, in that age group because um, yeah, we don't have a lot of late developers. Let me say like this, these kids are pretty early um, the best in their team. When you're the best, that's how it is with young boys, girls, kids in general. You're good in something and um, you really, when you really feel the passion for something, then you want to do more of it. So, and obviously Harvey did that because Harvey is the opposite of a late developer. He's a very, very early developer. So he was early ready to play adult football obviously already with 16 at Fulham. Um, and Fulham was for sure not in a situation where, where you thought, okay, come on, let's bring the kids. So it's just because um, uh, Scott Parker probably that time uh, saw in training, yeah, he could help. And now he's 18 and I thought last week, oh yeah, he will help in that game. And that's why we, why we took the decision. So um, the early years are incredibly important, absolutely. But especially my generation had to develop without great coaches let me say it like this because when you we didn't have academies and stuff like this so we were really good coaches with where we could focus and concentrate early on on football training um get more and more knowledge about the game all these great players from your past from my past they all got coached by the mailman or the butcher of the village or the, the, the area the area of the town where you are from just people who took the time for it so yes he um is a great player and thank god he is and um all the youth coaches he had all the coaches he had so far had their hand in that and especially last year 
I think um, in the championship, um, everybody who worked there with him did an exceptional job because he made a big step last year. I wasn't sure about that before. When you go with 17 years old, you have to play championship, probably the hardest second division in the world you have to play there. And then you make such a big step, play the amount of games you played. That showed he's not only a football talent, he seems to be a physical talent as well, that he's robust enough for all the, for all the challenges out there. Thank you, Carl. Last two questions. Well, let's hear from Airpin, finish with Mark. Uh, for the embargo section, it's been a pretty comprehensive press. If you want to start putting your hands up now, I won't be able to take everybody's question, but uh, if you please stick your hands up, I'll try and come out a couple of you in. Uh, Kieran. Hi, Jürgen. Hi, you touched on the issue with the internationals, the South American internationals last week with FIFA extending the, the dates. Um, can I get your reaction to the news this week that the Premier League clubs won't be releasing uh, players that are due to go to red list countries uh, and can you confirm that, that your players affected won't be travelling unless there's a last minute exemption? I think I can confirm that because there's no chance really for it. So the situation is like that and uh, look, the international breaks, so when, when players have to go on international duty for, for the club manager it's never great. It's never a thing, oh my god great and I have a few days off or whatever. So I thought, oh my God, they have to travel a lot. I'm going to come back late and all these kind of things. But we still always do it. We never moan, we never discuss it or whatever. Just players, here's international duty. So here we go. The players want it and we are completely fine with it. Um, in this case, obviously, it's, it's different because England has different rules. And the rules in England are, if you come, if you come back from a red list country, you have to quarantine 10 days in a hotel, not a hotel of your choice, no, in a hotel which somebody tells you where it is next to the airport or whatever, and it's not um, not even close to be a spa hotel or whatever. It's eating and waiting and sleeping and stuff like this. And as uh, as the clubs, we cannot we cannot do that. Not only because we play games in that time when they come back, but they lose obviously without being positive. To say uh, without being positive, they lose 10 days of training. In 10 days, you can ask whoever you want, doctor, a sports science person, without any chance of moving, uh, you lose muscle. That's that's how it is. You, you as an atrophy, I'm not sure if it's the right English words, and I don't know the German word, but you lose muscle. And um, so, and then you come back, and it's not only 10 days, then it's again, you have to start training, you have to, to do different stuff. And it's a real risk for the boys then if they have to play then three, four, five days after 10 days quarantine immediately again football. And so that's the, that's the problem we had. And we were not, we, we, it's not that we said that we, we do it like this. It's just the, 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 the government, number 10, didn't give an exemption for football players, even when they are fully vaccinated. So, and then the situation is, like it is, um, we cannot change it, but of course, then the players can't go. Okay, thank you, Kieran. Final question in the open uh, goes to Mark Ogden. We'll go to an embargo after this. Mark. Hi, Ogden. Just to add to what you were suggesting before about um, some clubs work on the immediate and other clubs plan for the three or four years in terms of making signings. Do you feel we're now in an era whereby the commercial value of a player becomes as important to some clubs as the actual value on a pitch? And in that sense, if you were ever offered Messi or Ronaldo, would you, would you, take it on the basis of what they could add to the, the team on the pitch or would you feel that there's a commercial element to it as well? Oh, first of all, I think with Messi and Ronaldo especially, I think we, there might be a commercial aspect of it, of course. But um, 
don't think that um, PSG brought Messi in because of the commercial, but maybe yes, I don't. Um, they brought him in because Messi still have a lot to give for the football team. Um, that's it. And if Cristiano comes to the Premier League, I think that's the first intention as well in that case. Um, but nobody came to me so far. I never had to make a commercial signing, whatever that means exactly. Um, nobody, nobody asked me for that. And um, if somebody would come, I would start thinking probably. But so far, it never happened. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.